Is anybody else getting just blasted by the Lord today? Um, I feel like the Lord gave me a little something uh, I wasn't expecting to say, and I'll get to it in a little bit. But <clears throat> Jesus responds to us giving him attention. You know what I'm saying? So I think sometimes it's helped me to even think of worship and prayer as attention. You know what I mean? Because it's so hard to just even keep my attention on one thing for more than like eight seconds. You know, you've heard about supposedly a goldfish has the attention of four to five seconds. And that's like longer than human attention now or something like that. Um, Man, Jesus likes us a lot. He responds to it. So we've been talking, you know, for a few weeks and we'll be continuing for a few more weeks about how we know what's true. How do I know what's true and why is that significant? It's because, first of all, truth isn't always obvious. And especially in a world that offers multiple options to say this is true, this is not true. And the thing that's such a big deal about what's true is it makes, it sets the framework for every decision we make. Every decision we make. We're going to believe something's true or not. Whether you obey traffic signals on the way home has to do with what you believe about what's true. Right? Um, So, we've been saying, and this is, we've got a couple, three Sundays, so I'm not going to go deep on all these things, that Jesus is the truth. That truth isn't just an idea, it's a person. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God, in other words, the center of all truth, except, for, except through him. So the question from how do I know it's true goes from, the question gets real specific. We ask, how do I know Jesus? If that's true, if it's true that Jesus is true, how do I know Jesus? And so we talked about this last week, a lovely little acronym. Well, first before that, why are we doing this? Man, because everything's bank on it, banking on it. We have to learn how to know Jesus so we can reliably know what is true and live it. Um, I've mentioned this before, and you guys probably have felt it, but it, it, in the last couple of years, um, <laughs> a friend of mine said it this way. He said, I feel like I know how to play basketball, and I've been playing pickup basketball. And all of a sudden, with no notice, next week I was put in the NBA. And the level of complexity of things that are being thrown at me and what it means to know what is true and who Jesus is and what he's like is at a level that I've never experienced and I'm not sure I know how to play the game. Does that make sense to you guys? Right? I mean, how many things have we had to make decisions on that even whether you wear a mask is of deep moral significance in everything you do, right? It's like, (laughs) it's just crazy, right? You never realize you have to be a 24-hour ethicist. That was, that was a little academic joke there. Thinking of what's right and wrong constantly, you know, because someone's going to die if I don't get it right. That's just one little thing that we're deciding about. And then the overwhelming nature of information coming at us. And expert doesn't mean what it used to. Do you remember old people, I'm including myself, 
when you'd buy the toothpaste because four out of five doctors recommended. <laughs> or you'd use the Pepsid AC because four out of five doctors recommended. And, and now it's like, who'd they vote for? <laughs> what kind of doctor are they? Right? I mean, it's just it's weird times, man. But what I'm hoping to offer us is this reality that Jesus himself is not simply religious truth that fits in this warm, private little part of our lives, but that Jesus is saying, no, I literally made everything. I know how everything works. And if you'll know Jesus the truth, it doesn't matter what all the YouTube pundits say. We have a stable place to know what is true. But the challenge is, it takes us applying ourselves to know Jesus. It takes us, and you say, oh great, my teachers used to say that and I stink at school. Here's the thing, the deck is stacked for us. Jesus is the teacher and he's also, Eddie Haskell next to us says, I've got the answers on the table, you know, just look at these. <laughs> Nobody except for the aunts knew what I meant by Eddie Haskell. That's an old show, leave it to Beaver, he was always getting his buddy to do the wrong thing, you know. Go ahead, cheat on the test. Um, so, we have four ways we know Jesus. Reason. You have to go to the last sermon to know where I came up with all this. But you can see it in Scripture. Reason, talking about Jesus, thinking about Jesus. What did he mean by that? We see his disciples doing that. Experience, experiencing the presence of Jesus. Like we did this morning of saying, well, something's happening here. What is this? How can I make sense of this? And what we would say is that's the presence of Jesus given to us by the Holy Spirit. Something's happening to us. Scripture, which we're going to talk about, and tradition. Tradition is a technical term. It's not, it, what it means is other people's experiences of Jesus. But not just your buddies around you, but other people who've experienced Jesus for the last 2,000 years. What they've said about Jesus, how they experienced Jesus, mistakes they've made are so important for us to know Jesus. Okay, we'll talk more about tradition next week. And look at that wonderful acronym. Is there any better word than rest? Rest. So this is what I had to repeat over and over again last week. How do I know Jesus? How do I know Jesus? How do I know Jesus? Oh, see, there's double entendre. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heaven laden. Learn my way of do, doing things and there'll be rest for your souls. So, okay. What I'm going to talk about, oh, we talked about that there's a, uh, I was going to say taxonomy. I don't know why I'm using these words today. It's just happening. Um, they're not all equal. Scripture's at the top as the most important. Tradition, the next. Experience and reason, I put them on equal planes. Not everybody does, but I do. And we're going to talk about why is it that Scripture we consider the most important way to know Jesus. We're going to talk a little bit about what it is and why, and then limits to Scripture in knowing Jesus. Okay, ready? Here we go. So what is scripture? If in case you're wondering, I mean the Bible. There was a day when I'd say, just hold that book up you brought to church. <laughs> but probably, 
You know, out of curiosity, how many books do we have in this room? I w- raise them high. What is happening? The rebellion has started. The resistance is alive. <laughs> I'm one of those old people that were like, okay, I guess everything's going digital. And now all the young people are using paper like, I don't know how this happened. I just got left behind. I'm stuck on digital now. But, but uh, yeah, it's a weird time, isn't it? That if you've got electricity, you probably can get the Bible. I'm not going to talk a ton about what is the Bible. We're actually in the spring going to be talking uh, in greater length about what is the Bible and how do we engage with it. So we're going to have several uh, teachings on that. But some of the what of the Bible will come out in the why of why is Scripture considered the most important way to know Jesus. And by the way, I didn't make that up. I'm actually following the tradition of brothers and sisters all across all traditions, all different streams. Throughout history, there's never really been an argument about this that ever lasted for very long, that Scripture is the most important way we can know about Jesus. Okay, so we're going to talk about why is that the case. And the first thing is, we talked about this last week, is that it's words. Jesus is a person. So the best way to know a person is through their words. Right? I told some of you guys about my, uh, my brother, in his foray into dating. Do you remember this experience? Apparently I was corrected. Is Andy here? He's probably, that's even better. He is? Here is it? Okay, he must be with the kids. But, um, you know, the story is, oh, there's Sarah. Sarah, you don't appreciate this at all. But um, Andy's in college. He sees this cute girl at a barbecue and the best move he can think of is to walk up to her, grab a, grab a stick from the ground, and smash it over his head. No introduction. And he said, now I thought it didn't break, but apparently it did break. But it, 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 it was so thick that it hit his head so hard it was going, Wee! you know, like that when your head does that. And, you know, like, and my point is this, words actually work better. Then just walking up and smashing a stick on your head. Now, the miracle is that, how long have you guys been married, Sarah? About 20 years now? 22 years. So it kind of worked. It kind of (laughs) worked. But eventually, Andy had to learn how to talk to Sarah for this relationship to succeed. Though it's still times I've seen me and he's like, Mary. We all do that, right? But it's a pretty proven proposition that words are the best way we have to relate to people. Words are super, super important. We, we learn things other ways but from other people, but, you know, it, it can get confusing. If you've ever been to India, it, uh, this is what I've seen. Have you seen this? That means different things than it means here. It means nothing here. It means, what have you been drinking? You know, a little bit like, whoa, man. Or it's, is it... Do you guys feel the earthquake earlier this year, uh, this week? Yeah, that might have been, you know, something like, you know, but in America it doesn't mean as much. It's very meaningful in India, right? It's a nonverbal that matters. Um, but words are super important and are the most important way we, don't know what, we know what's inside another person. You ever struggle to put words to something? You're like, oh, I'm just trying to tell you what I mean. 
But here's what the deal is about Scripture. Scripture are words that, that there's particular uniqueness about these words. And I'm going to give you a few words to describe these words. The first one is their firsthand words. What do I mean by that? The, the, remember how we talked about last week that the apostles were actually with Jesus and heard Jesus say things and, and saw Jesus do things. And, and so they have a unique vantage point that we'll never, ever be able to repeat. To be able to say, no, this is actually what he said. And so what's unique about, for instance, the New Testament is it's firsthand. We call it in theology the apostolic witness, the witness of the apostles of what happened. The Old Testament is firsthand as well, though. That, that, that there were actually people who saw God on Mount Sinai, who saw the clouds, who felt the, the rumble of the thunder. There are people and that, that were able then to recount that. And so what's unique about the words of Scripture is that it's a firsthand account that's been passed down to us. Does that make sense? So if you're ever wondering, you know, well, I experienced Jesus, why can't I write the Bible? It's because you weren't there. It was very, very simple, actually. It's you weren't there, but there were people that were and wrote about it. So the Bible has a unique, unrepeatable place. Is it making sense? Okay. It's fixed. The words are there. They're not changing. We have a whole history of texts, uh, it's called, uh, of ancient texts that can actually be looked at today that are in different places, like the British uh, Library. There's one in Cambridge. Uh, There's, uh, where's the other place? The Vatican has has Codex Sinaiticus is the name of, they're actual documents we can see that, by the way, are the best attested to ancient scripts of any of the ancient documents we have. Like, Like the history of Rome is not, they don't have old enough documents, nearly as old as the New Testament that we have, that's existing. Does that make sense? And we can look at every one of these documents and say, you know what, the words are still the same as in my NIV. It's fixed. It's not changing. It doesn't, it doesn't change based on weather, what's popular in a culture. <laughs> it's stable. Okay. Another thing about these words is that they are objective. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is they're outside of myself. They're outside of you. Like all of us have, when you have an, a, an experience, we call that subjective, right? So, so have you ever been in, in a situation when you and another person watched a movie and one said, that was terrible, and the other one said, that was awesome? <laughs> Who's right? Right? Who's right? The point is, you can't really talk about who's right because it's subjective. But what's great about Scripture is they're objective. I, it's just not my opinion. There's something that happened before I was born, and they'll be around after I'm dead. It, it, it doesn't, the Scriptures don't change based on uh, if I like them, if I feel like they're uh, important, 
there's, they have an existence outside myself. This is, this is one of the things that's so fascinating these days about right and wrong. Because our, our culture kind of has this ethos, just kind of this vibe, zeitgeist, that truth is whatever the subject thinks it is, right? You know, it's just kind of like, ah, that's, that, that can be true for you, not true for me. Anybody run into that before? And, and I, I had a conversation with somebody once that said, yeah, but what if I feel like stoplights aren't true for me? Yeah, what will happen? Will it go to jail? Yeah. And what's fascinating about that, you can say, well, then it's just a culture that you, your culture decided that was true. But, but cultures change. Cultures, uh, there, there was a tribe, some of you guys know, the Wadani tribe in Ecuador. Anybody think, heard of them from Jim Elliott days, you know? Uh, the Wadani tribe, they had, a, they had a set of ethics. If we didn't like what you're doing, we will spear you. That's how they work things out. And, and it, it, it didn't have to be a big deal. We'll just spear you. You're done. I mean, and, and so they needed the gospel, which is an objective ethic, an objective way of thinking of things outside of them to root them in what was true. Didn't change. The Bible didn't change because they came into a new culture that did things very differently. Okay. It's specific. These words are very specific. What I mean by that is this is, have you noticed that there's some things in the Bible that you, yeah, I could see that happening, and then others you're like, yeah, I never saw that happening. Right? There's things in the Bible. Most of us can imagine that there's something like a God. Right? I mean, it's hilarious to me when people who don't believe in a God say things like, the universe told me. Because it's like saying, the chair told me. Because if you're saying it's not a person then it's as smart as, it's as sensible as that chair told me. Most of the time today, we call that mental illness. Right? If a chair was telling me things. Something impersonal was telling me things. Or evolution were telling me. Evolution, I heard a podcast yesterday from the BBC is on the importance of play. And I thought, oh, this would be fun. And the commentator is just, it's just, it wears on me after I was like, evolution was so smart to make play part of this. I'm like, you realize what you're saying, right? You're saying an impersonal beginning that matters not at all was smart. So there's no difference than you saying, my Legos were smart to teach me what the world is like, you know. Um, but so the, the scriptures tell us things we didn't expect. We could expect that there's a God that would judge sin. But could we, could we actually know just by thinking about it or experiencing the world that He's in love with us. He'd become one of us. He would take on our sin and take every bit of the stuff that separates us, us, us from him. And he had this epic story of chasing us down in this person, Jesus. You probably might not get to that just wandering around looking at the stars. So it's very specific revelation. And the final thing is, and, and there's more to scripture than this, but that we, we use this word inspired. Inspired. Um, you know, the, the in breath, inspired. What does that mean for the scriptures? And I'll just give you a very simple definition. You'll notice the scriptures did not fall out of the sky. Right? Bam, there's the Bible. 
Some of you guys know Mormonism believes that, you know, that, that we found these tablets, you know, just buried somewhere, um, and that's to add on to the Bible. That is not uh, the way the scriptures were formed. They're actually humans who experienced God and wrote about it. And so what's crazy is you'll notice that their personalities in it. Their language is in it. Why'd they do it in Hebrew? Well, because that's what they spoke. Why is the New Testament in Greek? Well, because a lot of people spoke it. Street Greek, by the way. It was, it's, it's like nasty Greek compared to the classics. It's just, just yeah, not, not impressive. But what we think, what we seem to, seem to believe, what we believe and seem to have experienced is that when these people wrote these words down, God was so involved in that moment that he can get across to us exactly what he wanted. Does that make sense? So that we can at some point say that it's not just the writer, it's not just a little A author, there's a big A author. Now, think about this for a second. How many of you guys didn't love group projects like in college? Right? My son, I, he was talking about his senior thing, and he was like, yeah, I got seven people on it. I was like, I would hate that because I've got to, you know, deal with the guy who's like, yeah, I'll do it the day before. You know what I mean? It's like, Ugh! And, and, you know, it's, it's hard. group projects are hard, right? What if your group project involved 60-plus people over a 3,000-year period, do you think you could come up with a pretty good pro group project that would hold together? That's the Bible. It is a 3,000-year project, 2,500 to 3,000-year project. 60-plus writers, different cultures, different languages, and it holds together. What are you talking about? I call that inspired. To me, the only way this thing could have held together was God. That they're actually experiencing a God that's coherent and he's continuing to... Yeah, it's the same thing. You're telling me Jesus has lived out words that were said 700 years before? Yeah. Those are small odds. So, so Scripture is... We consider it the most important way to know Jesus firsthand fixed, not changing, objective. It's not just my opinion, my idea, culturally embedded, specific, and inspired. Now, this is important stuff here. What would happen, and this doesn't ever really ever happen, but all we have with Scripture, and we didn't have other people, tradition, we didn't have experience and reason. It's a really important question because it'll help us see some things. I think it's actually the Lord wanting to deal with us about something in this. So scripture just by itself has limits. What are they? The first one is impersonal knowledge without experience. When I say impersonal, there's something about personal knowledge, right? When we have words with one another, you actually have personal knowledge of that person, right? It, it, but, but usually that involves experience, doesn't it? So we talked about this. You know, if someone just walks up to you, maybe you have a Facebook account, you post things on it, someone walks up to you, you've never seen them, like, I am your best friend, I know everything about you. How do you feel? <laughs> do you feel like, this is awesome? <laughs> I had a funny experience at Walmart yesterday. 
I'm such an airhead that this guy comes in, um, and he brings this card up to me. He's got a mask on. And I could have sworn he said, hey, Guile. And I was like, hey. I'm like, I do not know this guy. And Andy's got a mask on. He's like, I was like, who am I talking to, man? He's like, I said, here you go. I was like, oh, here you go. That was, I thought you said, hi, guy. It was just very funny. Having a one, one syllable name is not the most fun all the time. I thought I said, hi, guy. I said, here you go. And I was like, who am I looking at? He's like, just trying to do my job, bro. <laughs> and of course, I always tell my wife these stories, and she just goes, ah. <laughs> there he goes again. I didn't know that guy. I did not have a personal relationship with him. <laughs> but this actually happened to Jesus, that people could have knowledge that was of God that was impersonal. He says this. He's talking to the Jewish leaders at the beginning of this passage, verse 16. He says, Jesus was doing stuff on the Sabbath, which was taking these guys off. The Jewish leaders began to persecute him. And Jesus has this conversation, and eventually he says, listen, guys, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. And these are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Have you ever known somebody that knew the Bible so well, but just something didn't feel right about whether they actually knew Jesus? I've done that. I've read pages and pages of people who know the Bible way better than me. But I can tell they don't know Jesus. There's something about the experience of the person that is necessary to actually know the person. If you only have information, you are a stalker. That's what I call we can be Jesus stalkers. Have all the info about Jesus, all the right arguments about Jesus, and not have no experience. We don't actually know Jesus. <laughs> We're gonna come back to that. Another one is that Scripture has to be interpreted. Have you noticed this? Have you noticed this, that the scripture has to be interpreted a little bit? You, there's a fun little exercise um, that, okay, wh- what is this? Somebody tell me what this is. Okay, so I heard somebody say it was a pentagon. It could be. Oh, I heard a star. That's pretty good. Yeah. It, 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 could, it could be a crown. Look at that fancy. It's just dots. That's what it is. It's dots. So what's my point? What's my point? There's a a theory, a scientific theory that said any set of points can have an infinite number of combinations as to what it is. I wanted to put one in that was John Free's face, but I just was going to take too much time. So I thought I'd just go with dots. Um... (laughs) Everything has to be interpreted at some point. Everything has to be. And, and so, did you know that we're not meant to interpret the Bible just me, Jesus, 
in the Bible in a room by ourselves. That is not the Christian way. Which, which is funny, right? Because you're like, that's what my youth pastor told me every time I have to go do my Bible reading, right? <laughs> but we actually have to do this together. This is something we have to do together. Now, that doesn't mean, by the way, if you're like, well, then the Bible can mean just anything. It's absolutely not true. There are a few passages that are kind of hard to understand, but for what we need to know, it's extremely easy to understand. Okay, if, if anybody's a, a language theorist, come and talk to me later. We can argue about it. I doubt there's any in the room. But you can understand what you need to. But the way this stuff is lived out has to be done in community. The way we understand it together has to be done in community. I love it when, like, John's so honest about Scripture. He's like, you know, the Old Testament kind of scares me. Can we talk about this? And it's so helpful to talk about. Well, my first question is why? And then we get, oh, it's so fun. It's so fun. Final thing is this. How do I know the Bible's true? If I'm saying that the Bible is the basis for knowing Jesus, how do I know it? the Bible's true? It, it, and we all knew from elementary school, you can't define a word using the word, right? So you right? It's like, so define a ball for me. It's a ball. You know, it's just a ball. Define light for me. You know, it's kind of light. So what doesn't work for the Bible to be true is to say, it's true, it's true, it's true, shut up, it's true. Right? Welcome to Facebook. <laughs> Whoever says it louder means it's true. That is a terrible strategy, by the way. Has it ever worked for you when someone pushes you into an idea? Are you happy to learn that and live that out? Ah. This is why it's so important to have these other ways of knowing Jesus. Example, so I can look to tradition and see, well, how did Scripture work for other people? How is it currently working for other people? Have you guys been able to do that? Like, see, A, here's this family. B, here's this family. A, following Jesus' principles, not. Have you ever seen a difference? I see them a lot. I see them a lot. It goes to like the experience. How has the truth of the scriptures worked in my life? How has it actually worked in my life versus living some other way? I can tell you my own personal experience is I love God's law. I love his righteousness. I love, why? Because it works. My life actually works. I find being faithful to my wife works way better than, you know, the disastrous things I see when people aren't. I mean, I just, I just, it's just not hard to see. Yeah, that, that ends up in a really bad, painful spot for a lot of people. So it's got, not God bossing me around. It's like, trust me. Keep the fork out of your eyeball. It's not what that's for. It goes in your mouth. Great. Eyeball, not so good. Yeah, one time. That's all I needed. Should be a learning experience. In reason, does the, do the scriptures work in the world that actually exists? 
This is going to be fun when we get to reason because I'm, I'm conspiring with Dominic Kalsmer and Ken Weed to talk about some of this stuff, both scientists, to say what's so fun about all knowledge is that all knowledge ultimately rests on faith, all of it. Here's how I know. It's because we're so mad about I've got this group of scientists and this other group of scientists who's right. They're saying the opposite things. So for you to believe someone is a step of faith. Always. Always. No knowledge comes without faith. It's a longer one. It's a philosophical statement. But it's so true. So how do we know with the scriptures? Well, let's reason through this. Would this make sense? We're going to talk about some of this. So that's the things we need around the Bible. It doesn't help just to say, it's true, it's true, it's true, it's true. Make sense? Okay. So, summary. How do we know Jesus? Through Scripture. It's the most important way we know Jesus. Why? It's words. Words are the most important way to know a person. They're first-hand words. I, and I know this isn't going to be something you're just going to be able to parrot back to whoever you have lunch with today. If you can, you're amazing. But this is, this is really critical stuff we've got to get our brains around and engage in to be able to engage with the world that's around us, not run away and hide from it or just shout at it. It's fixed. doesn't change it's objective. It's not my idea. It's not your idea. It was out there before either of us got here. It's specific. It's very clear about what God's like. And it's inspired that we, that we actually believe that God has actually been able to, through humans, get across to the human race what he wants to get across to them in a reliable way. Limits. Impersonal without experience. It has to be interpreted, so we need some community around us to help with that. And how do I know it's true? I need some stuff outside of the Bible to help me show that it's true. Okay, so this is what I felt like the Lord dropped on me while we were in worship, and it's specifically about the impersonal without experience. So the experience I was having with the Holy Spirit over there, every once in a while, I don't know if you have this experience, but I know the Holy Spirit's doing something to me where I almost can't even catch my breath. I could barely breathe. I was like, oh, I've had COVID twice. I'm recovered. So my breathing's fine. <laughs> Reasoning about this, okay? I'm sitting here thinking, but I, I ran three miles yesterday. No problem, right? So I'm just, we're going to reason through it. And then as we're worshiping, I'm like, And I can hear myself because I've been praying before. It's like, God, come in power so that, like Paul said, that, that what you want to do in us would not rest on human persuasion but on the power of God. Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 2. That, that it wouldn't be human reasoning. And then Paul says later, he says, because the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but it's a matter of power. In other words, there's experience that has to happen for it to be the kingdom. It's a full life thing. It's not a belief system. It, 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 it hits every part of my humanity. So as I was having this experience with the Holy Spirit uh, this morning, um, Sam, why don't you come up? Wherever you are. Yeah, thanks. 
I, I just feel myself say, oh, Lord, what are you going to do? Come, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. Come in your power. Come and cut through whatever's got us. Come and do. I, I know people are hurting in this room. I know people are afraid even about what they believe and wondering if it can stand up in the world that exists and stuff's been shaken and, and there's all these opinions out there. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. And, and, and I started just feeling him. And then I felt like the Lord was saying, okay, I'm going to... I'm going to come in a way you've never experienced before. And here's what I think the Lord was saying is this. Is typically, knowledge of Jesus in the scripture, in a rational way, is divorced from experience. Anybody experienced that? You ever been through that? Have you ever known? I mean, it's like... You, Depending on your tradition, it was all about an experience. You had to check your brain at the door, right? Because reason and rationality is bad. It would keep you from being submitted to the Holy Spirit. And sometimes that's true. Have you ever noticed that? But then there's those of us who, who they, we've really struggled with experience because there's something that we know that's dishonest about ourselves if we don't really think it through. Can you, can you relate to me? I'm pretty confident you can. You're just not, not in your heads. And so what, one of the things I've watched, and I do think it's a strategy of Satan, is to keep those divorced. It's to keep the experience that's mysterious and I can't explain, and it's over my head, divorced from, can we really think about it? And Jesus has made us as humans for them to go together. Because the enemy is terrified if we keep those together. He is terrified. So here's what I think Jesus is going to do with us. If you're finding, man, I love this reasoning stuff. Gail's being very teachy. I love this. I think he's going to offend you with experience. And if you're like, oh, finally we've got to experience, we don't have to think about anything, he's going to make you think. <laughs> and, and, I'm, and I feel like this may be prophetic. I don't know. Laura, you have to tell me with the prophetic team if this is legit. But I feel like, I feel like the Lord is like saying, I'm coming in a way nobody here has experienced. Right, because you're like, oh, I, I, I grew up in Toronto renewal stuff. I say grew up. I grew up in the '70s charismatic renewal. Then I got to go through the Toronto stuff here in Tulsa. It was awesome. It was crazy. It was awesome. But I also went to seminary and realized, man, there's this lot of stuff that wasn't really helpful because we weren't doing a lot of thinking and looking at scriptures to ground ourselves. Um, and so, like in my head, I could think when we got experience. Oh, I know what that's going to look like. I don't think we do. And then it's like, yeah, finally, we're just going to be rational and think about this. I, stop. I think Jesus is not interested in fitting into any of our categories or prior experiences. He's just not interested. And, and this is the prophetic sense I got. Was it's like Jesus is coming, and if we want him to come, he will. What do I mean by that? He's always present, yes. But I promise you, it's, you see that in the temple. You see it in the presence of God's people. I can even feel it now. If we invite him, he comes in a way that's different. 
than the omnipresent that just always here. He comes in a way that he, he likes to be invited. In, in, in the third chapter, Revelation, Jesus is talking to a church. He's not talking to sinners. He's talking to a church. And he said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Will you let me come in? Because you guys, he says, you think you've got it all together. You think you're well clothed. You, you've got really good musicians. You've got good parking and a nice building and a, and a preacher who's not completely crazy. You've got all you need. And he says, oh, but you're wretched, blind, naked, and poor. I want to give you gold that you don't have to pay for. I want to give you drink. I want to sit down and eat with you if you'll let me. So what does that mean? I don't even know. But I just know, studying this stuff, I feel so passionately that God wants to equip us with this very thing. And what I wasn't expecting to do was get hammered by the Holy Spirit's presence today. That wasn't, that almost, I've taught this at ORU for years and that's never happened yet in a classroom. Lord do it, I guess. I'll be teaching in February this, this stuff. But, but if we invite him would we be interested in experiencing Jesus and lo- knowing Jesus in ways we never have before? Okay, I'll ask this. If you feel that way and you really feel that way, will you stand up? Just as a sign to Jesus that in ways I've never experienced you. For you, it might be a different way of knowing. For you, some of you are getting scared and you're going to have to repent. I told the Lord, when I, I, I'll just be really open. Not that I'm not, but... It says, like, God, if you want to do all that crazy stuff, i got to admit, I like it, and it scares the heck out of me. And he's like, I don't want to talk to you about that. You know, it's just, repent, and let's just let me do what I want to do. Okay, I repent. I repent that I distrust you, Lord. Everything's about trust. Everything's about trust. So let's just, if you guys give us a little music bed, we'll have just a moment of worshipful music. And let's just interact with Jesus right now. And he may, he may have a different way of talking to you right now. If you've never experienced Jesus talking to you, you're like, that's kind of weird. Sometimes it just literally feels like thoughts that came to your mind that you thought were yours. But you might be kind of surprised that it's actually God working with you. God is speaking to us all the time. And well, what if that's the devil? I promise you, Jesus is so much stronger than the devil and we've been praying over this space all morning we know the holy spirit is in charge here jesus christ is king so anything not of jesus we just go ahead and dismiss it 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 it, 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 it it's just like a bad salesman he's like talks big and then when he jesus shows up he runs scared so could we invite jesus and i'd like you just to do that in your own way maybe with your voice maybe in worshipful music to say I want to know you in a way I never have before. Even if I don't at first understand it or particularly like it. So that's the question. Do I want to know Jesus in a way I never have before? Let's just sit with that. You guys can lead us just for a minute, then we'll close.
Till it's you and you 
You know, it's always an invitation, temptation, or even a question to say, how was church today? That's kind of an odd question if you think about it, right? We gather around Jesus. We gather around Jesus. So if we're asking, if we're saying, Jesus, you can meet me any way you want, including ways I've never experienced you before, I don't think we're smart enough to know if we had a good church service. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if I'm smart enough to know, but I know if he said, if you'll seek me, you will find me. He doesn't withhold. Ask, seek, find. Guess what? He's coming. He's coming straight into your world. And he's going to come through categories you don't even have yet. So it's not for us to judge what's happening. It's just to keep on saying, Jesus, I want you, Jesus. Like blind Bartimaeus saying, Jesus, Jesus, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus, I want you. And however you decide to meet me is up to you. What's fascinating is he he says to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? (laughs) I want to see, Lord. So, Lord, we want to see you. 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 We want to see you, even if it scares us, Jesus. Even if it's not the way we wanted it. You are smarter than us, and you love us more than we love ourselves. We want to see you, Jesus. Will you infect us with hunger for you? You said that those who had hunger and thirst for the kingdom, for his righteousness, you would be filled. God, release hunger in us. Clear the decks. Clear the decks of the of the of, of the, the, the low calorie, high calorie, low content foods we're eating. Spiritually, intellectually. So you'd be hungry for true food. Hungry for true answers. Hungry for true peace. Hungry for true government. In Jesus Christ. We've got prayer teams up front that it's, it's, there's something about time and place that matters in, in, in stuff with God. So if you feel like I need to, I need to have someone pray with me over this. I know these guys personally. I would rather have them pray for you than me because I know them well. Come get some prayer. Maybe just this week, my very invitation is meet me, Jesus. You're like, my life stinks right now. He's coming. If, you, if you're open, he's coming in the poopiness. He's right in the middle of it. I promise you. I promise you. He's done it for me right in the middle of the mess. Can we say that? Come on, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I love you guys so much. It's so fun to do this together. Isn't it? get to unroll this together. Jesus surprises us. I don't know what he's going to do, but yes, we want it, Lord. Amen.
Love you guys. Have a wonderful week. Again, come get prayer if you need it.